just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's happening guys, it's time for another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your favourite adjuctor, Ian Dawson McKay. Next Level Guy is the go-to's men's interview, interest and improvement based website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, protocols and methods that you can implement in your own life to live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is Bobby Maximus, who describes himself as a UFC veteran and men's health magazine writer an IBJJF World Master Champion, and a keeper, Authenticity. Bobby teaches you to train your mind as well as your body to achieve your goals. He's now a world-renowned strength coach who takes no BS and helps millions of people transform their lives. He's also a devoted father. He's beaten elite competitors in the cage, a life-threatening disease, and a life of mediocrity. He's achieved so much in life and is here to help you achieve your own goals no matter what they may be. And this is the interview you need to listen to if you're getting held back in life, if you're not going after what you truly want because of fear or some other bullshit excuse that's holding you back. Bobby will teach you how to achieve your goals by coaching you how to lift your head high, your middle finger even higher, and cut the damn excuses, train your mind and your body, and instead smash your goals every damn day. And now, let's get to the interview. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm a big fan of yours. You know, you're walking around like a brick shit house at an age where most people are falling apart. You've competed in the UFC. You've been a policeman. You've done such an amazing amount of things. You've recovered from a life-threatening illness, you know, and you just keep smashing your goals out of the park. But for people who maybe don't know who you are, could you just give a quick overview of, you know, how would you describe yourself and what you do? Yeah. First of all, thank you very much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm always honored and humbled when people think highly enough of me to uh, spend time with me. Um, so my my stage name, if you want to call it a stage name, is Bobby Maximus. It's not my government name. My government name is Robert McDonald. Uh, it's, it's a pretty common name. There's millions of us out there. Um, but I go by... Uh, Bobby Maximus. Now I fought in the UFC. Uh, I, you know, I've been in charge of some pretty, pretty incredible gyms and, and projects in the in the fitness space. I've had the opportunity to write for uh, Men's Health, and and so here I am. Well, I initially discovered you through Men's Health. Um, I found some of your articles and tried. Um, I think it was your one workout killer set. And I was hating you by the end of it. You know, I just kept going and going. I think you said in the article, you know, you would either die or just lose your mind from it. And I think I did it with a squat bar. And yeah, it was intense. Let's put it that way. And then one of the guys at the gym started mentioning you in terms of the UFC and, you know, that you were, um, used to be in the police. And I was like, are you sure it's the same guy? Because it seemed to be, you know, such a massive difference of careers. Um, you seem to have done a bit of everything. But can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing? You know, like, wh- where did you grow up? Did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. How, d- how did you become you? You know, uh, I grew up in a small town in northern Canada. I had one brother, uh, a couple parents that loved me very much. Uh, we did not grow up rich. 
Uh, I did not grow up with a ton of what I'll call opportunities, but I had two parents that would do anything for me and loved me. Um, I was bullied fairly heavily until I was probably 15 years old. Uh, the bullying thing is kind of, it's difficult to talk about because, you know, uh, Ian, I bet you've been bullied to a degree. Everyone's been called mm -hmm. names. Everyone's been made fun of. Even those people that you think of as the most successful people in the world have been bullied to a degree. Um, but I was, I was punched in the face on the bus. Kids drew on my face with marker. They called me names. I was never one of the popular kids. And when I was 15, these kids, they, they beat me up in gym class and broke my collarbone. And I didn't ever want that to happen again. And so I kind of stumbled into the wrestling team. Uh, it's interesting because I didn't have an athletic background. I was cut from most of the sports teams I, I, I ever tried out for. Uh, I wasn't good at stuff. And my first year wrestling, I lost every single match. Uh, and that was, I probably had 30 or 40 matches that year. Um, and then the second year wrestling, I won one out of 40 matches. And I realized then, like, I, I needed help. Like, I was trying hard, but I was terrible. And so I went into the weight room. And I went in scared. I, I don't know how many people that you're listening to have had this experience, but the weight room can be a really intimidating place if you've never done it before. Like, never mind the the fact that you're going to get judged by other people or you're not in good shape, but, like, what the hell are you supposed to do? How much bench press am I supposed to do? How many pull-ups am I supposed to do? What if I can't do a pull-up? And so I kind of found myself into the into into the weight room. I got pinned under a 45-pound bar, 20 kilos if you're in the UK. Um, so you can add that to my resume um, that I have been pinned under an empty barbell. Um, I don't remember ever doing pull-ups. I don't really remember doing push-ups. I don't really know where I was at physically. I remember struggling, and there was a couple of people who helped me along the way. Uh, there was a guy, uh, Mike Xavier, uh, who else gave me some advice? Uh, Jim Fox, Eugene Vinci, uh, Brian Sepatelli. There were some people around that you know gave me some advice, and so I started to experiment and train. And I started to learn. I got obsessed with men's health, started reading books. Uh, this is in the day I was going to say I worked, you know, looked up stuff online, but there wasn't just an Instagram you could check for workouts. And so you'd have to buy the magazines and then try stuff out. And through a process of trial and error, I got, I got pretty fucking strong. And I, I started to win wrestling matches and I got better and better and better. And as I got better, confidence grew. And as confidence grew, my work ethic increased, and, and I just kept trying. At that point, I was probably training two to three times a day and, and just doing my best. And uh, I ended up doing really well in wrestling, uh, had a great wrestling career in university. Uh, I was second in the world for kickboxing at one point. I, I got really good at grappling at jiu-jitsu and then found myself in the UFC. And all of that, I, I really think, was from that pivotal moment of getting my collarbone broken, but then also really just sucking at wrestling, just being terrible and trying to navigate out of that. I, I always tell people that those two years of just complete failure taught me more about work ethic than I think any of my successes. I love that. I mean, that was, how, uh, how do I say this? Part of the, the main attraction was the bullying because when I was in primary school, I used to, I've got like a squash nose and big lips. So I had three boys who were just relentless at me. And, you know, there was name calling until I was crying. And one lived next door to me. So I was terrified to go outside when I seen him. And, you know, there wasn't as physical, but it was like quite a lot emotional and kind of, 
I still, I think I probably took years to kind of overcome it. And I could see part of my philosophy, um, my own sort of approach to life and interest was shaped by that experience. And I think that's the problem is a lot of people will fix the, the physical stuff, but we don't deal with the mental stuff. And that's why I was so like, I loved looking at your stuff because you teach how to strengthen the mind as well as the fitness side of stuff. You know, you teach people how to be strong individuals and fit individuals in both capacities. And that's something you don't see much here. And to see you turn from somebody who was bullied and, you know, not confident and scared into somebody strong in that. I mean, I've started doing jiu-jitsu. Um, I'm a blue belt currently. And I still sometimes struggle to be aggressive in that sense. Yep. And that's why I was really I was really glad to see what you had achieved and thinking, you know, how I would love to tap into that kind of mentality to show people how you can take, like, your demons and your dark side and actually use it to, as a sort of, a, a motivational tool and your stuff is phenomenal but how did you, you turn that initial oh god i'm bullied you know i've been hurt by these you know how did you not let that just destroy you and instead use it as a way to motivate you because was that not like terrifying to go into the weight room for the first time you know how would you advise people who are maybe in that similar situation you know i i I think the answer to that, that's difficult and it's multifaceted, the answer. Uh, the mm -hmm. first thing is it starts with loving parents at home. If you, if you feel loved with your parents, by your parents and supported by them, I think it's easier to face bullying at school. Um, and so because I had two parents in the home that loved me very much, I think I had a good foundation. The, the second thing is for whatever reason, and there's an intrinsic part of this I can't explain, I really just loved wrestling. You know? Um, and when you love something, it's easy to show up even when it's hard, even when you're scared. When you love something and really want to do it, it's it's easy to be motivated. You understand what I mean? There, mm -hmm. There's a lot of adults these days who don't train, who don't want to train, who have a hard time being committed to staying to the gym, and it's because they don't love it. It's really difficult to be motivated and get over stuff if you're not in love with something. And I just really, even though I was bad at it, for whatever reason, I loved wrestling and fighting. Because that's definitely something I noticed in my own side of things was I would shy away when I became in the spotlight. You know, like when it was something for people to notice you, and to pay attention to you, I noticed if I got any criticism at all, I would kind of like self-sabotage. And I think a lot of people are like that, you know, where they've maybe been, they've not been told that they're good at something or that they've been told they can't change, that, you know, that they're never going to be able to get muscles or whatever it is, you know. So they start thinking, well, what's the point of trying? And that's why I was very keen with your stuff was, it's, you know, you teach people how to remove that self-imposed limitations on them. But if we take it right back to the start, how do we even define what fit is? Because it's quite a unique concept. It's like so relative to your end goal. I mean, you know, if you if you can bench, you know, two hundred kilograms, for example, but you can't walk up at four flights of stairs, could you describe yourself as fit? Yeah, I think so. I what I say is when anyone ever asks me if I'm fit, I say fit compared to what or fit compared to who. Mm -hmm. And they're both valid answers. 
right? So I may be really fit to fight in an MMA fight or do jujitsu, but I may not be so fit to run a marathon. And then that also depends who you're comparing yourself to. I'm fit for a marathon compared to a person who's never worked out before, but not compared to one of the best runners in the world. And so both those things play a factor in, in your idea of fitness. No, I really like that because you said that the gym was like a microcosm of life and, you know, the, the problems that you find in the gym are, you know, basically what you'd find in life. And I always like that sort of analogy about squats is, you know, weight pushes you down and you've got to push it back up and you've carry it on your back and, you know, you build your strength up from that um, by sort of repping through your problems. But can you please, you know, can you expand a bit about that? Because I think a lot of people just think the gym is just go in, lift heavy stuff. They don't seem to understand what the gym's teaching or, you know, like what you can get from working out. You yeah. know, how can you... So let me, let me answer that by asking you a question. What mm-hmm. do you do for a living? What's your job? What's your career, your vocation? At the moment, working in a university. Okay. And what do you do at the university? Uh, at the moment, working with PhD students, sitting behind a desk, solving problems, making people hit milestones, legal stuff, the usual fun and games. Okay. So are there challenges you face at work? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, do you have... Do you have moments in these? This is the rhetorical part of the questions, but, uh, or actually you could just answer yes and no. Are there challenges you face at work? Yes. Do you have things that come across your desk at work that you don't know if you can deal with? No, on a daily basis. <laughs> do, you, do you ever have meetings with people that you're nervous about? Mm, occasions. Do you ever have issues where you're not quite confident in how something's going to turn out? Yes. Do you, ever others. do you ever have to do planning, both short-term and long-term planning? Yes. Well, that the skills that it takes to do that, those are skills you can develop in the gym. You mm. may approach a squat bar and not know if you can lift that weight. You may feel not that confident. There may be a challenge you have a difficulty overcoming in the gym, and you have to do some short-term and long-term planning to overcome it. So it's not special because it's fitness, but those skills of trying things out and experimenting and then improving, I think those transfer to every other area of life. Because it's something I do tell people about, you know, with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, about how it teaches you so many different things well before you even consider the self-defense, the martial arts side of things. Yeah, and that's a perfect um, example because jujitsu is not that much different than working out. You, you have a problem to solve and you need skills to solve it. And so I think that the gym and jujitsu, for example, are safe places to learn and practice skills uh, practice your skill building, practice problem solving, uh, and, and, and in a safe way that you're not going to lose your job if you fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, you can do it in a, in a safe laboratory, if you will. And I think that's what makes you better. Yeah. Cause if you fuck up in your job, you've got a chance of losing it in the gym, you just go for another rep. Yeah. Who really gives a shit if you fail on a bench press? If you don't row a 2,000-meter row fast enough, do you think anyone really cares, Ian? No. No, no you're the I, only one that cares. You're not getting dumped by your girlfriend. 
you're, you're, you know, divorced by your wife. You're not losing your job. So it's a safe place to try stuff and be vulnerable, I think. Well, yeah, you, you at least hope your relationship isn't <laughs> judged by if you can uh, roll for 2,000 meters or not. Yep. But what would you say then are the physical benchmarks? Because they used to be in the gym magazines, you'd see, you know, it was like bench press your own uh, weight, deadlift double the weight, and I think it was squat, uh, you know, your body weight by times and a half. And that was like, a f- you know, you were fit. But now you see it as a terms of can you do 45 perfect form press-ups can you do you know like 60 burpees in two minutes or something you know has the idea of fitness changed as we've evolved is it now we no longer we, we were specializing too much and we need to be general and have a skill set um like cardio fit strength power force you know has our, our idea of what it takes to be fit and how to define it, has that expanded and developed over the last sort of 10 years? Uh, yes and no. I think that, first of all, it relates back to that task or, or you're fit for what, like we talked about before. I think when you have specific tasks, uh, rowing, running, basketball, maybe football, I don't know. I think there's a very specific skill set that you need. For general fitness, I think it's really open-ended, and I've come to the point that it's too hard to define. Because if your goal is just to look good, I mean, what's what's your – let me ask you that question. If your goal is to look good, what is the only standard you need to pay attention to? How you look in the mirror, I suppose. You nailed it. That's it. It's that simple. Does it matter what you can bench press? No. Does it matter what you can row? No. No. Now, to a degree, it does. Because chances are, if you can only bench press a 45-pound bar and you can only run a 15-minute mile and you can't walk up a flight of stairs without getting out of breath, you're probably not going to look that good. Can we agree on that? Right. However, for the most part, it, it, it makes it really open-ended. So I've, got, I've actually developed a list of 20 standards uh, you know, a double body weight deadlift, a 2000 meter row in seven minutes, uh, bench pressing your body weight 10 times, a double body weight back squat, um, you know, the ability to row a 2K in, in under seven minutes that I think relate to general fitness that most people are capable of. But I don't know how set in stone I am that every single person needs to have those under their belt. Yeah, because when I used to power lift, for example, it was it was great to be able to deadlift over two hundred kilograms. But then I noticed I was getting out of breath when I had to go up seven or eight flights of steps. You know, and I was like, all right, then am I fit? You know, is it? Then when I started jujitsu and I started losing weight, I noticed my power was going. And it's like, well, I'm more flexible and I'm more like coordinated. But am I fit compared to? If I go to the gym, and that it's it's quite a hard thing to define because you need to know what your end goal is, and too many people think they define being fit by going to the gym only. They forget there's all these other activities. I mean, I love that you look at workouts that only involve one thing. You know, you remove the complications. You take away all these like overcomplicated. Um, schemes and talking about progressive overload and you take all these sort of terms away, you show people how to work out just using their body but 
something that you really do push on, which I really liked, was the idea of self work. Could you go into a little bit about that? You know, how working like self work actually helps you and makes you sort of a fitter and stronger person overall. Yeah, well, I think I think self work can be defined as different things, um, but overall, self work is just working on uh, being better than you were yesterday. That's a key element in all this. And so you can do self work in, in different areas. There's physical self work. That's becoming more fit, being able to run faster, lift more, uh, uh, lowering your your resting heart rate, I suppose. Uh, you know, regulating your blood pressure, your your blood triglycerides. Like those are all things that are part of fitness and health, if you will. But then the self work I really focus on is the self work psychologically, and a lot of us neglect this because it's really hard to do. Uh, how many how many times how many times have you sat down and assessed your relationship? Uh, assessed your ability to empathize, uh, maybe assessed some stuff from your childhood that you've been running from that you have not been dealing with. That's really difficult to do. It's hard to look yourself in the mirror and really try to improve yourself from a psychological standpoint and be a better person. And I think that's the real path to uh, people fulfilling their goals is being able to do that and be honest with themselves and work on the hard things. Because that was definitely something I liked about your material was a lot of people, they make a sort of shallow attempt at improving themselves and becoming fitter and then therefore, you know, kind of stronger people. They kind of go in and they try to be going the weights and then as soon as the, the hardship starts, the bit where you see the small, tiny incremental changes, they give up because they're not seeing the beginner changes. You know, they're kind of saying, oh, well, I'm not seeing any changes, I'll stop. But how do we then remove that limitations forget about other people what they're doing um you know and actually just get in there is this the concept of killing our governors it's the of actually going in and making like a deep proper change because that's something you seem to do with your clients you actually help them break down the bullshit story they're telling themselves or they've lived by you actually teach them how to grow and develop as a person as much as in the gym how do you start that? You know, how do you break down that shit that's holding you back? I think it's one day at a time. I think with when you're talking about self-imposed limitations, and this is something I've recently started to adopt, um, it's nice to have a big overarching goal. So you you said you'd worked up to what for your deadlift over 200 kilos? Uh, I think it was like two, 205, 210, something like that. Yeah, it's a great deadlift, but did you start deadlifting that? Oh, no. Nowhere close. Okay, so, so you get it. So when you started deadlifting, call it 100 kilos or 105 kilos, could you even imagine getting to 205? My, my answer is probably not. So what I really try to focus on with people to kill that governor and burst through their self-imposed limitations is we're not going to set a massive goal. I'm not going to set some big overarching thing uh, that, that you're going to try to try to achieve all we're going to do is focus on being better than yesterday. We're just going to focus on rowing one second faster, lifting one more pound of weight, one more kilo of weight a week, uh, losing just a pound a week rather than focusing on losing 100 pounds. If you can do that, imagine the result down the road. So how does this play out? Because you've talked about the deadlift. Remember when you were uh, only deadlifting 100 kilos? Mm -hmm. Couldn't do 101 kilos the next week. 
The answer is probably yes. Then the mm -hmm. next week you do 102. Then the next week you do 103. Now it's only one kilo a week, but in a year you could put 52 kilos on your deadlift. That's incredible. So by focusing on those small little steps, the big picture will fall into place without you having some limitation. Now, could you see those? It's usually every guy thinks they could win every fight. Every guy thinks they could get the girl. But when you ask people, like, you know, what they're doing in the gym, for example, if they're new, oh, I'm going to go to four classes a week. I'm going to start running a mile every morning. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And they, over, they always overestimate what they're able to do. And habit change takes such a long time that it kind of, you know, they start off well, but then when the the doms hit, when the getting up and having to prep food hits, where when they want to just lie in, when they need that sugar hit, most people crumble at that point. So how do you then incorporate um, green light thoughts? You know, how do you make sure at this point when people are thinking, I need to give up, this is just not working for me? How do you keep motivation how do you keep getting people to go back to the gym till that consistency muscle builds in you know they just keep going because they start enjoying it motivation has to do more with value than anything else and what i mean by that if you see value in your life from what you're doing you're going to do it all the time if you don't see value it's almost impossible to motivate a person so what do you think motivates most people more than anything these days? Why do you work? It's money at the moment, Good. sadly. You, you win. You're answering my questions. We're on the same page. Well, money motivates a lot of people. Uh, what, what country are you from? Uh, based in Scotland, UK at the moment. All right. What uh, What is the state of fitness in Scotland? If Scotland has uh, 20 million people, do you have 20 million fit people walking around? Definitely not. Definitely not. If you were able to say to people, we'll lower your tax rate by 15% if you were fit, how many fit people would you have walking around? <laughs> 20 million probably. All of them. Like it's, it's, yeah. just, it's that simple because you get real value from fitness. But we live in a society where what's the penalty for being unfit? Not much. You're not losing your job. You're probably not losing your girlfriend or your wife or your husband. And by the way, if you're fat and out of shape, when you go to the airport, you don't even have to walk anymore. You can stand on a treadmill that just zips you between terminals. And you probably get like taken to your seat sooner. You get lifts everywhere. Well, like, why, yeah. why do you want to be fit? So there's not much value in it. So the key to keeping people motivated, you know, is to convince them that there's value and to show them the value in what they're doing. So how then do you motivate people to become fit? Do they need to have something not severely negative? I mean, do do people need to to just have a bit of pain in their life because you said recently about pain leading to power struggle leads to strength do people need to find pain yeah, and struggle i think there needs to be a I, I think there needs to be a struggle you've got to have a reason for doing this and it's funny what drives people like a health scare will drive people to train 
Mm. Right, a death in the family will drive people to train. You know what the most motivating factor in in a, in a middle aged man or woman getting in shape is? It's getting a divorce. Because what happens when you get divorced? Yeah, they always want to reinvent themselves. Yeah, not well. You're back on the market, mm. right? Like, so you'll see people who are thirty pounds overweight, out of shape, don't take care of themselves dress poorly and then when they get divorced guess what happens in three weeks they lose 30 pounds they have brand new clothes they reinvent themselves it's really motivating because people don't want to be alone so i think that like negative things in life now i'm not suggesting that you go and get divorced because that's going to be your secret to fitness it doesn't quite work <laughs> but you understand what i'm saying when bad things happen to people they get their ass in gear it is motivating. So do you think that's like an sort of invisible script that sort of holds people? You know, when they're married, you become part of a couple. People associate you in a certain way. But when you, you know, when they do get to these sort of big life-changing events, the scripts are broken down so they can change. But how would you then change if you wanted to transform yourself, become a stronger person mentally, physically, etc.? you know, take up jujitsu, do a hobby that they've always wanted to do, where they're in a situation, you know, they're not in that situation where they haven't got a bit of pain that they can identify or that they're aware of. How can they find that motivation if if nothing is kind of, you know, creating it for them? You know, I think surround yourself by people who have used fitness as a vehicle to making their life better so you have a first-hand example of how it can work. Because I get that a lot as people say, oh, I'd love to do jiu-jitsu. Oh, I lo- you know, you've lost so much weight, but I could never do that. I was thinking, well, why? You know, I could barely get my hips over my sh- like roll it back over and get my feet to touch the floor because I was so tight from deadlifting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you become who you hang around. Like hang out with people who have used it to improve their life, like I said, and then and then you'll follow suit. So you, you, something I was really keen to speak to you about was you talked about your work with a sports psychologist. And that's something I think a lot of people, when they were looking at fitness, um, I mean, I would class myself as an athlete. You know, I'm looking to compete in jiu-jitsu this year. Um, definitely looking to get my diet and my fitness up, etc. But a lot of people do it for a bit of fun. But how did the work with the sports psychologist help you, you know, with dealing with clients? Has it opened up a kind of a way of looking at clients and understanding what's happening mentally as well? You know, how, were you taught anything particular that you find really works with a client to kind of to help them get through that initial transformation to get better in the gym to become a stronger person? Yeah, I mean, it's helped for sure. I think the biggest thing with sports psychology that's helped uh, is that understanding that the brain is the most important predetermining factor in success. If you're not strong mentally, you're not going to be successful because most people were not born with the genetic gift, right? Like, for example, in jujitsu, you've got to learn from scratch. And most people are not just born good at jujitsu. And so your, your ability to have things like resilience, your ability to have dedication, your work ethic, 
your ability to face failure. Those are things that are going to play a bigger role in your success. And so working with a sports psychologist, it was understanding that that's the driving factor. The other thing was um, learning the biggest areas in which people have difficulty. And I think they're self-imposed limitations and negative self-talk. I think those are the two things that kill your performance more than anything. And if you can learn to deal with those, it's much easier to be successful. Well, now it seems a great time for a quick break. I just want to chat to you about affiliates. I know, I know, you're probably fed up of hearing about bloody affiliate products on podcasts, but please bear with me. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which one are worth your hard-earned money? It's simple. You go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates and explore the products and services that I recommend that will transform, improve and evolve your life. Now, on this affiliate page, you'll find the products that I think you should buy, the books you should read, and the tools that I think you should own. I'll only recommend products that I've tried or believe in, and all the recommendations and reviews are 100% honest. Furthermore, on this page, you'll find any suitable special offers, listener-exclusive deals, and discount codes that I'm sent by these companies. There really is something for everyone here. It doesn't matter if you're buying for yourself, a special occasion, or for someone else in your life, you can find whatever you need there. There's a wide range of companies showcased on the page. Companies that'll make you a better athlete, a better lover, a better man, and basically better in all areas of your life. Who won't want to see that stuff? You can access the page by going to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. Or if you're on the website homepage, click on the affiliate deals in the blue ribbon at the top of the website homepage. Please note, I do not receive any information on you or what you purchase. The company sent me a small thank you commission for sending you to shop with them on my links. This does not inflate the price you pay and usually allows me to help showcase cheaper options than if you bought directly as affiliates are allowed into special deals, lower prices and so much more. All your information is safe and secure with the company and nothing is shared with me. So have at it and enjoy the links. If you use any links, I would just like to say a massive thank you as I tend to use the money to make this podcast bigger and better and help evolve my own life and I really appreciate your trust in my recommendations and being a fan of the show. And now let's get back to the interview. I hope you're enjoying it as much as the fan I had recording it. Because back when you were competing in like MMA, I remember you talked about you had had a, a bad loss, you had been unconscious for about five minutes. How do you... Like, how did you come back from that? You know, a lot of people would have just said, nope, you know, it's, they were just afraid to step back in. But when you came back and got better and better, you've gone on to create some amazing things and achieve some great things in your life. How did you get over that negative self-talk? Because that's something that holds a lot of people back. You know, they're always worried about people watching them squat in the gym. They're worried about people judging them because they're maybe fatter than the next person. How do we deal with negative self-talk? Purposeful practice. You can't just, listen, you can't read a self-help book that tells you to think positively and then just turn that on like a tap. You've got to practice it and it's difficult. And so there's two things I do. One uh, I have these little green dots. I actually sell them um, that I put everywhere. And so there's a green dot on my table right now. There's a green dot on my laptop. There's a green dot on my phone. And every time I see a green dot, I have to think a positive thought about myself to start training your brain to think that way. The other thing, if you don't want to use green dots, is you wake up in the morning and write down five positive things about yourself or five reasons you're going to be successful. Because without practicing, you can't expect yourself to just think or or act a certain way. 
So how then do we know that the goals we're picking for ourselves, you know, I mean, if like we were saying earlier about people who come in and I'm going to go to five gym classes this week and then I'm going to run a mile at the weekend, etc. How do we know then that we're picking legitimate goals, but also that we are putting proper effort in? Because I love the way that you don't take BS from anybody. You well, don't take you know, excuses. I mean, the truth is you don't really know when you set a goal especially if you have no experience in the area, right? You, you, you're only going to know by trying. So I think the first thing is to have an open-ended goal. I'd much rather people have the idea of rather than say, I can or cannot do this and making up a decision just to say, I'm going to try it and see what happens. So how do we then avoid becoming a slave to our self-image you know how do we start go well i'm always the big guy i've always had knee problems i'm just not going to try well, i'm the get- just get off your ass and try it what's the worst that could happen i mean did you so when you were changing your career and you know you were good trying the police and then you, you know you'd come from the mma etc did you have any kind of issues with that? Was it, you know, did you have a certain way of like diversifying and trying new things? How did you overcome that initial worry, like stress? Again, it's, it sounds simple, but let's just try it. What's the worst thing that can happen? So I'll give you an example. When I got into strength and conditioning on a full-time basis, I was working as a cop. I had a good job. I was on a good career path. Uh, I was making a, a reasonable wage. And then I had the opportunity to go be a strength and conditioning coach and leave policing. That was a little bit scary, yes. But what I settled on is I'm going to try it and see how it goes. And if it doesn't go well, I can always get my police job back. So I just tried it. I don't know if I even had a plan at that point about what I was going to do. I just was willing to take a risk and try it. And I think it sounds simple, but if more people would just shut off the negative voices and just be willing to try, they'd be successful. Think of yourself with this podcast. Do you want to have the most successful podcast in the world? Yeah, definitely. Would you like to have Joe Rogan's download numbers? Happily take them right now. Happily, right? But <laughs> are you there right now? Mm, I've got one or two of the numbers, but not all of them. Though. No, so what? how are you going to deal with that? I mean, the real, the real question is, are you just going to quit? Are you going to stop? Are you going to just be negative? Are you going to bash yourself? Are you going to be filled with uh, worry and doubt and jealousy over other successful people? Or are you just going to record and do the very best you can and see what happens? Most people shut down before they even try. Why not just try it? What's the worst thing that can happen? Take take this podcast, for example. You uh, randomly sent me an email. What's the worst thing that I could have said? No, or go no. away. Or- yeah, go away. Stop bugging me. But if that would have happened, will that ruin your career? No, it's happened before nope. and it will happen again. Yeah, and, and for every 100 people that say no, there'll be amazing people that say yes, true or false. Definitely true. So just ask. Get over yourself and ask. The next question is, I agreed to come on the show and it absolutely just sucks. It's terrible. I can't speak... I'm a complete fraud. Everything that I've ever talked about is fraudulent. 
and you're like, oh shit, I cannot put that up. This is garbage. What you wasted maybe, uh, well, right now we're at 37 minutes and 14 seconds, but you wasted that period of your life. That's it. But it's probably not a waste because you probably learned something from it. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you have a lot of editing to do and you could edit a really good finished product. So you get some editing experience, but you never would have got that if you just didn't try. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, because you see that with a lot of people is, oh, so this guy beside me was benching 100 kilograms and I'm only benching an empty bar. And, you think, and they give up because of that. And I, I, how do you stop that? You know, how, how do we stop people comparing ourselves to the guy next to us or the lady in front of us with a better ass or whatever it is and actually compare ourselves to the guy in the mirror? The guy that we are feeling better than the you know the version of ourselves that was walking upstairs and out of breath after two stairs, but now we can go up two flights of stairs. How do we stop ourselves comparing? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Just focus on being better than yesterday. The only one you need to be better than was who you were yesterday. The only easy day was yesterday. The only, I mean, however you want to put it, you just have to be better than you were yesterday. And if you can do that for a long enough period of time, you will be incredible at what you do. So how, I mean, you've said that we need to keep challenging ourselves daily. How do we make sure that we're not burning ourselves out? You know, we're getting to a point of legitimately challenging ourselves to build up mm-hmm. mental resilience, but we're not actually damaging ourselves you know we're giving ourselves a chance to recover we're giving ourselves a chance to grow as a person yeah there's two ways one you have to love what you do if you hate podcasting don't do it find something you really love and that motivates you we all end up doing things that we don't like or things that we're not passionate about and it's a dead end so find something you love is number one number two Make sure you get a good night's sleep every night. Make sure you're sleeping eight hours. Make sure you're filling your body with adequate nutrients. Make sure you've got a decent level of fitness. Make sure you do some type of recovery activity like get a massage, go in a sauna, meditate. Do something to give back to yourself so that you've got the energy to do what you love. Those two things combined will yield tremendous results. Now, on your website, you've got some amazing transformations. You know, some clients have gone some like startling transformations in their body shape, but also there's it seems like their outlook in life. What's how do you kind of start dealing with a client? You know, how would you work with? Say, I came into your um, into the gym and I said to you, I wanted to become a stronger person. I wanted to go and do jiu-jitsu. I wanted to get a six-pack. How would you start working with me? Is there a sort of universal plan that you put me on? Is there concepts like journaling, gratification, visualization techniques that you would also get me to do? How would you work with me mentally and physically to start that transformation? You know, I it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a four-tiered uh, approach, I guess. When I work with people, uh, I work with them on forefront and I do training in person, but I also do training online. I have a huge, uh, online training platform where a lot of people who've, who've had the biggest success with me, I've never met in real life. Um, I've helped them over the phone and, and over calls. We focus on four 
areas. First is physical fitness, because I think that sets the table for every other area of your life. I think you're more resilient to stress. I think you learn uh, how to do self-work. I think you face challenges that you overcome, and, and I think you can become better from it. Nutrition, you have to have reasonable nutrition to improve. You have to worry about your health. There's a big foundation there. Sleep, you need to sleep a lot. Uh, sleep's the real answer. You need to get eight hours a night and able to hit your full potential. And then the next one is, I'll call it stress, but it's more than stress, psychological counseling. So learning how to set boundaries, learning how to deal with negative uh, self-talk, learning to deal with self-imposed limitations, learning how to deal with daily stressors, learning how to say no, because a lot of us say yes to a bunch of shit we never want to do. So by helping people address those four areas in their life, they can make incredible transformations. Now, the more areas that you take away, the less successful people become. You can have a great training program and have great nutrition. If you're not sleeping well and you're filled with stress and you don't have any boundaries, you're not going to do well. So the the you need to have like four out of four of these things. Three out of four is acceptable, I guess. Two out of four or one out of four, you're, you're not going anywhere. I love the way you look at things and it's the way that you outline them is just so refreshing. You know, you don't kind of allow the usual excuses like I don't have time. You know, the time audit thing that you do is is amazing. I mean, it's I'm all, I don't want to, I've heard you mention it a few times and I'd love for you to share it, but if, as long as you're not too fed up of talking about it. But say somebody comes to you and says, I really don't have time to do this. I've, I work hard. I do this. I do X, Y, Z. Could you go into a little bit about your time audit? Because you really do show that it's a false uh, sort of belief that people don't have time to work out. Uh, you always have time for everything. What I tell people is put 168. That's the number of hours there are in a week on a piece of paper. Uh, you know, put that at the top of a top of a top of a list and then start subtracting what you actually spend time on. So maybe you work 50 hours a week. Maybe you sleep eight hours a night. That's 56 hours uh, a week. Well, now we're only at a hundred and uh, sorry, 96 hours on, on that. If it's 40 hours of work and 56 hours of sleep, what the hell else are you doing with your time? You still got like 70 some hours left. Start filling it up. And by going through this exercise, and like by itemizing their time, people find they always have 30 or 40 or 20 free hours in a week. So yeah. your, your, your time stuff is bullshit. You do have time. You probably have time to do another podcast today. Probably have time to do one tomorrow. You probably have time to edit. You just have to make the time, but it comes back to wanting it. And it shows people that their excuses are garbage. And then it forces them to address what the real issue is. Because as long as we make excuses, we'll never address the real issue. I love that. I love the way that you, you know, that especially that last statement is there's always the real issue. People assume they don't have time because it's easier to think it's an outside factor that's causing it rather than something in your own life or your own, you know, what you really want to do. Um, something I'm really keen to speak to, you mentioned about getting into like teaching people wrestling, you know, so you've worked with like UFC fighters, special forces soldiers, you've worked with some like top tier level athletes, combat people, etc. Have you noticed something about the way that they train, the way they look at goals that, you know, they, they work on skill development, that sort of thing. 
Is there key takeaways you've noticed that you think the average Joe could utilize in their life? Is there key habits that they utilize apart from sleeping and sort of getting good nutrition? You got to show up day after day after day after day and do the thing. It's why my, my catchphrase or my slogans every damn day. If you look at the best people in the world, whether they're fighters, special forces, soldiers, or the best intellects in the world, you know what they all have in common? They do the thing every damn day. They work at it. They don't quit. They ask questions. They're inquisitive. They show up. It's that simple. Don't. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. So if we were to set up somebody, say you had a client just now, how would you work in terms of their office, their car, their journey to work? You know, How can we set up our lives to make sure they're removing, you know, like the bad nutrition, they're removing the going drinking at nights. And, you know, do you help them in that sense as well of the other like problem parts of their life? Or do you find that the changes you make in the gym gives them the confidence to then to choose not to go down these bad paths? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, you know, going down a bad path, I think it comes down to, and I know I'm, I'm, I may be oversimplifying things, but I think it comes down to how bad you want it, right? Like, do you have kids? No, yet, no. Okay, I'll tell you a story about somebody that does have kids, because I'm sure your listeners do. I trained a guy um, this years ago when I worked in a global gym. A global gym is like a big box gym, like a Equinox 24-7. Uh, I, think, I think a big one in the UK is Gym Box. Is that right? Um, yeah. So yeah, you, you have your big box gym. And, and I trained this guy, and he couldn't lose weight. I, should, I say couldn't. He wouldn't lose weight. And one of the reasons is he kept eating nuts all day. There's thousands of calories of peanuts, cashews, macadamia nuts, uh, these types of things. And he, he wouldn't lose weight. So I actually fired him as a client. Told him I didn't want to work with him anymore. I'm only going to work with dedicated people and I am done with you. You're wasting my time. Well, a few years later, I saw the guy and he'd lost all the weight that I couldn't help him lose. I said, well, what the hell you been doing? Like, I'm, I'm curious now. Like, what secret did you discover? So he said, I stopped eating nuts. What? He's like, yeah, I stopped eating nuts and the weight just melted off because you can get a lot of calories in through nuts and trail mix and things like that. And uh, I, I said, how did you do that? Like you were so dead set against it when uh, we were training together. And he said, I had a son that, you know, I had a baby that was born and he was severely allergic to nuts. And, and so I just quit. <laughs> like, oh shit, that's all it took. You love your kid. You don't want your kid to die. You'll fucking do anything. You're done. It was easy at that point because he valued his son. He valued what he got from that. You, you, you know, so I think that I think that when people don't value it enough or don't want it enough, it's too easy to fall into these traps. And, and, and so um, that's a, that's I think the real bad path to, to to go down. So that's why I said earlier, make sure you love what you do because when you love what you do, this stuff becomes easy. Because that was something I was wanting to sort of cover was how did, you know, when you became a father, how did that change your sort of outlook? Did it kind of make you consider not working out as much and spending more time with the kids and stuff? Or did it kind of motivate you that you had to be a good example for them? Because a lot of people go down the different paths. You know, they it kind of inspires them and other people kind of use it as, almost as an excuse to drop 
what they want to do, you know, things they've never wanted to do. Is that because they don't love it as much? You know, they've never truly loved the, the hobby that they're doing or or they're, they're not really going for goals that they truly want, do you think? Yeah, I think, I think we get trapped in society of doing things we feel we ought to do versus doing things we want to do. Like, what, what do you really want, Ian? Let me ask you that question. If you could do anything in the world, if money wasn't an issue, what would you do? Would you do the job you have now? No. Or, be or would you be playing guitar, writing poetry, painting with watercolors, um, working out, gardening? What do you really want to do? I think that's the thing. We're, we're never allowed the chance to think about it you know we're told what to do at school we're told to go to university we're told to go to college or we're told to get a job and then we're told to work by a boss and then we're told to retire and then you just die you know it's there we're not given a kind of a chance to find out who we are what we truly want how did you find out what you wanted was it just trial and error or you know I decided to take a chance. I've always loved physical fitness. I think for me that physical fitness changed my life. Um, Going from a bullied kid to uh, being successful, the pivotal point for me was when I found my way into the weight room. So I always had a love for it. And I tried to do other stuff. I tried to be a teacher. I tried to be a cop. I tried to do the corporate thing. And it never fulfilled me like working out. And then one day I just said, fuck it. I'm going to take a chance and roll the dice and I'm going to try to make a career in something I really love. And that's when my world opened up for me because it's easy, not easy. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but like, I love going to work. I love helping people, um, become better. I, I love uh, talking to you on this podcast. So the work itself, I am motivated all the time because I have a deep passion for what I do. And well, so I would, I would want you to explore, if you're listening to this, what do you really want to do? And, and fuck what other people say. Turn it into a career. Go after it. Because you've had some amazing things in your life, you know. You've competed at the top level. You've come back from like a life-threatening illness. You've, you know, you've had the kids. You've built your business. You've you've done like you've started your own podcast. You know, you've written like amazing books. I mean, can you go into a little bit about the colitis? I mean, my brother-in-law has just come back from it. You know, he had to get the bag put in, etc. You know, at that point, how did you change then? How did it affect your approach to fitness? You know, how did you change your diet? Because it's such a deep, a deep problem that kind of really messes with you internally. Can you go into a bit about how you got that mental strength to come back? You know, how did you recover? Because you you really go into, you know, certain recovery protocols that really work for you and make you able to do these amazing things. But could you discuss a bit about your recovery and what you've learned about recovery during this time? Yeah, I mean, again, it comes back to loving what you do. I love working out. I love being fit. I love my career. So first of all, I was extremely motivated to not let this thing hold me back. And then once I decided I was willing to do the work, 
to, to overcome it, I knew I needed help. And, and so I really just sat down and said, how am I going to do this? How would I write a workout program for somebody who I didn't know anything about? How would I, uh, if you came to me and said, you want to train a world-class, uh, I don't know, a uh, golfer, um, how, you know, you write a program. I, well, what do I do? I started researching. So I got on the internet and I Googled, you know, cures for ulcerative colitis, cures for C. diff. Um, can it be cured? What diets have helped people? And I just read the shit out of everything I could read. And that came up with a couple of names. Uh, there was a company called Biome um, who had this kind of technology made, made by a, a guy named Naveen. Um, and, and there's a doctor named Helen Messier, who's, who's one of the best gut doctors in the world. And I reached out to them. I'm like, I want to try your product. And I did. And it, it worked for me. And I asked if I could have an interview with their head doctor and I, and I got one. If I wouldn't have asked, I wouldn't have got one, but I asked and they said, yes. And if she would have said no, I would have went down the list and got somebody else. But I did the work. I did the research. I did everything I needed to do to get all the information that I needed. And then once I had that information, I put it into practice. And that's right. something yeah. You don't know, like, and, and it, by the way, and it's no different than this podcast. If you, if you had never done a podcast before, what would you do? How would you start a podcast? Go on the internet and Google how to start a podcast and start looking up stuff and learning and then call somebody up who has a podcast and ask for advice. Pretty simple. No, yeah. It's amazing. People would rather have an excuse than actually go and do something. You know, it's that moment of it's easier to say something's holding you back than actually trying to find a way around it. It's easy to kind of justify it. Oh, I would do that, but I've got the kids. Oh, I would do that, but I've got I work too much. Rather than, you know, it's it's easier for us to tear somebody else's success down than say, well, they've probably worked harder for it. They've gone and done X, Y, Z, or good for them for being able to do it. You know, we all, in this society, there's a lot of trolls. We have to. We're more negative about each other's successes. Because it's scary for us to see what somebody else's success than it is to think, oh, that could motivate me to go do something. We'd rather, you know, be the crabs in the bucket and pull each other back in than letting somebody escape. It's how do you think social media and things like technology and these kind of apps and like Instagram and things like that have had an effect on your clients? You know, do you see them having a negative effect on people? Do you get people to take social media cleanses so they stay away from the comparison and the, no, the negative? Listen, I, I'm going to get heated here. I hate <laughs> that bullshit. You don't need a social media cleanse. The problem's not social media. The problem is you. It's another excuse. And if the problem isn't social media, it's your neighbors. It's the people you go to church with. It's your coworkers. It's people you saw on TV. The problem is 100% you. Instagram's just another vehicle for you to behave in a really shitty way. Thank God you said that. The number of... Like, how, how big's your town? Where, where do you live? I'm in Glasgow at the moment, so there's a couple. Okay, so I, I actually have been to Glasgow. Uh, I have some good friends there, um, EDA Gym. Um, do you know uh, EDA? 
I've uh, not used it, but I've passed it a few times. Yeah, and and and, and I think they're in Edinburgh too. But um, it's 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 interesting. Um, John Valbus is is John Valbonesti is the guy. Um, but here's the deal. Uh, you know, go go thirty years ago in Glasgow and and sit down in a in a little coffee shop. And what are you going to hear? Some old men sitting around at a table complaining about everybody else, making excuses, being negative. That's just Instagram. You see, you have access to it on your phones. So you can have access to it all the time. It's no different than television. No different than 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 being at work. You work. You 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 have other people you work with, correct? Yeah. Is there gossip in the workplace? All the time. Is there jealousy? Yep. Is there negativity? Oh, yeah. When you get a promotion, is there a whole course of other people saying, he was lucky. He he got it because the boss, like, like, there's all kinds of this bullshit everywhere. The problem, again, is not Instagram. The problem lays within your own soul. So stop blaming Instagram because you'll never get better if you keep blaming Instagram. That'll just be your excuse that keeps you from having to deal with your own shit. Definitely. Because that is something, whenever you see people wanting to get in shape, it's always, oh, I need to have a cleanse because I'm having too much sugar. Oh, my, it's not my, my diet's fault because I'm not eating vegan. Oh, it's because of this class that I'm not succeeding. It's never the amount of work you're putting in. It's the bullshit we associate around it. It's the noise that we attribute rather than the work we're putting in. Um, That's why I loved your material so much because you cut, it felt like you were speaking to me and cutting through all that BS that I had told myself about why I couldn't get in shape, why I couldn't be successful, why I couldn't do things. And as I got more and more into the fitness stuff, I then realized you had a lot of psychological upgrades as well. And it was like you were cutting through the the noise that I was creating in my own mind. And then I realized why you were so effective as a coach because you don't allow people to create the stories. You get them into what they want to do in life. You actually get them to achieve and find the goals they really want. And you give them the tools to then go and do it. And it's amazing the stuff that you do. So was that the inspiration behind the podcast was to kind of go into things in a deeper level than you currently are able to do with individual clients or you yeah, know, drove you? I mean, it's, it's really just to reach a lot of people because I can't reach a lot of people working with them one-on-one. Uh, I'd, I'd love to take the lessons I've learned and in, in, in positively influence as many people on this planet as possible. And so the, the, the more ways I can do that. Um, through social media and through the podcast, uh, the more people that can get help. And, and listen, if, if, if one person gets in touch with me and says their life has changed for the better because of the podcast, I've, I've done something good. Because, yeah, I mean, I've read some of your articles on men's health and, you know, I tried the, uh, was it the single movement fuck it program or something, I think you called it. And it, it just, I thought, no, that could never work. You know, I think it was 10 sets of 10 squats I did. Um, But everybody kind of goes into, oh, I'm doing this type of periodization. I'm I'm doing this type of uh, progression. And, you know, we, I think we've forgotten how to do the work. And that's what I like about your, your, your material, your podcast. You're very straightforward with what we do, but has a guest been on it that has changed something that you've held as a sort of deep seated belief, you know, has, have you had somebody on that's kind of re- has helped you change the way you look at something? 
You know, yeah, yes, um, but there's too many examples to give specifically. Um, I learn from everybody I have been involved with. So there's people like Gunnar Peterson, people like Ben Bruno, uh, people like Ashley Borden uh, is is incredible. And I, uh, Tiffany Simmons, who, who's a lawyer, Sarah Zari. I mean, I've had a lot of really good guests on the podcast um, with my partner in the podcast, Joe Sabula, another guy I learn from every day. And, and honestly, every single one of these people, they teach me something. And so to give you one example would diminish the others. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am never too proud to learn from other people and, and learn from experts because I think that even the person that you meet in line at the grocery store can probably teach you something that you can make your life better from. So I'm never too proud to learn and I'm grateful for all the people I've got to talk to. Cause I've still got pages of questions, but we're into like, it depends. There's so many different rabbit holes to go down here that I would well, love to. I'll- I'll tell you, we can just, this has been a fun experience for me. So we, we can just do a part two sometime or a part three. Because I'd love it because there's so many things I was thinking, oh, I need to ask him about that. And this is where I struggle with guests like you who have such a deep, like a kind of deep area because there's so many things, but to keep it, you know, like to avoid having to go just a wee bit into that and then you've missed out this section and you kind of bounce around at times because I feel like I'm not doing you justice because you're such an interesting person and there's so much to you. I, I really appreciate you saying that. I mean, in the meantime, people can learn about me. They can go to at Bobby Maximus is my social for everything. You can go to bobbymaximus.com. You can check out the Maximus podcast. You can buy my book to start learning and, and you can uh, go over this podcast when you edit it and, and listen to it and make another list of questions and we'll just do it again. But, and something I did want to ask you was, how do you think becoming a father has changed you? You know, what was your, how has your outlook in life changed becoming a father? It's more perspective. I think you learn what's important and what's really not important. I think it helps you prioritize what's important in your life. I shouldn't say there's priorities that are, that are priorities for everybody. It helps you prioritize what's in your life and put things in perspective. Well, I know we've come to our time. I mean, I can't believe how quickly it's going, but what would you want people listening to take from this if you had to give them a kind of a go-home message what would it be keep it simple it's not that hard just focus on being better than you were yesterday and good things will happen um that and do what you love quit your job uh get out of that bad relationship stop doing shit that that you're miserable doing start doing stuff you love and for those listening again if you know how if if we wanted to work with you how do we get in touch how would we You can you can email me, Bobby, B-O-B-B-Y, at BobbyMaximus.com, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-X-I-M-U-S.com, or drop me a line on my social media, and uh, I'll be in touch. Well, I really have, like, I feel like we've only just started. There's so many things I want to talk about, and I feel like we've kind of bounced around. I've never, I haven't given it justice, so we definitely got to get you on again. It's been great fun. I uh, really hope you've had even a quarter of the fun I've had. But um, is there anything that you would like to mention, anything coming up that you would like to promote? Nope, that is it. Just check out the podcast, check out my social, um, and and uh, that's that's it. I would love for you guys to follow me and start interacting with me. I love learning about people, and, and I'm really grateful that you gave me this platform to come on and, and grateful that you valued me enough to spend some time with me. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.